Hey, this is John Morgan. I'm the lead pastor here at Word of Life Church in the nation's capital. I want to personally thank you for taking time out to listen to our podcast today. It's our prayer that you're inspired and that your life is changed for the better while listening. So go ahead, enjoy today's message. So if you've got a Bible, I'd love you to go with me to the book of Romans chapter 4. I know they're going to put the scripture up on the screen behind me. I'm reading from the ESV and verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. In the presence of the God in whom he believed, he gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. We're starting a new series today simply called Where Faith Lives. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that it's sharp and powerful, able to get into areas of our life and penetrate and bring supernatural change from the inside out. We know that faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so I pray today that as I share your word, that faith would come into the hearts of the men and women that are here. Lord, that you would stir them up on the inside to believe for miracles. You'd stir them up on the inside to believe for the impossible. That you'd stir them up on the inside, Lord God, to believe for things that they've been believing for, for years that haven't come to pass yet, but those things are going to come to pass today. They are going to see the things that they are expecting. They're going to see the things that they're going to be they've been praying for. Lord, stir us up to be a church of faith. We are an Assemblies of God church. We are a Pentecostal church. We are a Holy Ghost church. We are a faith-believing church, Lord God. And we refuse to settle for what has been. We're reaching into the invisible and believing for what can be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I think my first step of faith, faith is a journey. And I think my first step of faith that I can recall, I had a, 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 a couple of instances that had happened uh, where God had shown himself. Uh, but I, I'm thinking more about my own faith step. Like the, the, the previous instances were sort of a uh, joining with other people's faith. But this was like my first, I was a young believer I was a young man, I was newly saved, and uh, it was just a weird scenario that I'd, I'd sort of got myself in. I was based in with this family, and I praise God for them. I don't think I would have made it if it wasn't for them. And they just had this ministry of bringing young people into their house and uh, praying and, and doing fellowship together. Some nights we'd have up to 35 people in the house. And it was just, a, it was crazy. Uh, but I was young and, and it was a lot of fun and it stirred me in faith. But we moved from Brisbane to uh, Whangarei in New Zealand so they would help a church plant that their uh, brother or brother-in-law ha- had planted, Pastor Don McDonnell. And so they moved to be with him and I decided, well, I, I'm, I'm on this faith journey, I'll go with you. And so I left Australia and went to New Zealand to help this church plan, not really understanding what it was all about. And, and the word that had come to Ray and Barry, the, the parents of this family, uh, the man and woman of God that led this family, was for me to be still. 
I hate that scripture. Anybody want to be still person? I got to be honest with you. When I was a new Christian, I felt I was so still, I might've been going in reverse. But I remember them saying, be still, don't work, don't do anything, just wait on God. And it may have only been a few weeks. It felt like an eternity, but it may have only been a few weeks. But what they were doing was saying, just be still, spend the week praying, don't worry about working, we got everything covered. And they were giving me, which was incredibly humbling, $10 a week pocket money. I was a young adult. I'd been running restaurants. I'd been called Mr. Morgan since I was 18 years of age. I'd led, you know, company. And and here I am getting this $10 gift from these, and living on the $10. And as a tither, I would take my $1 and I would give it into the offering every week out of my $10 as a young Christian. And then, then they said, we feel like it's time for you to get a job. We feel like God's calling you to, this rest time is over and to start to believe God for a job. And I was a chef, that was my trade, but I had knives, I didn't have any uniforms. And so I had to, I had to get a uniform. A uniform was like just under $100 and I'm getting $10 and I'd given all my money away so we could get to New Zealand. And so I had zero money and I had $10. And I had this job interview coming up where I could get a job as a chef. And so I'm in church in the morning and uh, as I'm in worship, I felt God tell me, give the whole $10 in the offering. Give every cent. Now, I was like, God, can you do, do the math? Well, I need $100. If I give $10 away, that's $10 less I've got towards $100. And I just felt the Holy Spirit just over and over again, couldn't shake it. And that's generally how God speaks to me. He'll drop a word in and he'll just be relentless. And that's how I know it's not my own imagination, how I know it's God and the way, the volume of it. And so the offering came down and I'm brand new, walking in faith, don't know how this is gonna work, don't know what God's gonna do. And so I'm like, all right. And I just throw the $10 in the offering bag and the offering bag passed. And I do, I do worship and everything like that. Still thinking, I have no idea how God's going to answer that prayer. And as I was walking out of church on that day, an older gentleman came up to me and he said, you know, it's really interesting. He said, while we're in worship today, I really felt like God speak to me and tell me to give you this money. And he handed me a hundred dollars. He handed me a hundred dollars so I could go out and buy the chef's uniform. And, and that was like that, that journey of, of faith for me. The faith life is a faith walk. It, it, it's a walk of faith. It, it's a journey. It just doesn't camp in one place. And as breath is to the natural man and as information is to the soul of man and relationships are to who we are as men and women, so faith is to the spirit man. It is the fuel that empowers us in the spirit realm. It is a journey. Now, faith must be functional and operating in the daily life of the Christian if God has got to be glorified. If we're going to glorify Jesus, then you and I need to live the life of faith. And faith is engaged in multiple ways. Faith is engaged when we are reading the Word of God. 
John chapter 20, verse 31 says, but these are written that you may believe. God's given us out his word that as we read the word, faith would be stirred in our heart. Faith is engaged when we're reading the Word. Faith is engaged when we're listening to the teaching of the Word of God. It's the hearing of faith, Galatians chapter 2 tells us. And so as we're bringing the Word of God today, it should be stirring faith in your heart to believe for God to do amazing things. Faith stirred up through the Word of God. Faith is the confidence and the assurance that we engage when we're praying. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 1, verse 6, let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. So when we stand in prayer, when we stand believing God, when you're bringing your needs to God or bringing the needs of others or praying for breakthrough or whatever you're believing God for, there's an element of faith that needs to back our prayer so we can stand in faith, believing God that He's going to answer our prayer and not wavering in our faith, but trusting God to do what He said He would do. Faith is engaged in our prayer life. Faith needs to be operational and functional in our daily life. We're the sons and daughters of God and we walk by faith, not by sight. The life which we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God. And so it's not like an optional, we live by faith, we pray by faith, we engage in church by faith, we read the Word of God through faith. And the reality is that when we die, when we exit this world, we're going to exit this world in faith. Hebrews chapter 11 said, these all died in faith. Some of them not even receiving the promise. Some of them not even receiving the breakthrough, but they died in faith. They went to heaven, glorifying God, trusting God, embracing God, and dying in faith. Faith is not an optional extra. It's not just something we have, but it's who we are and it's how we live. Faith is the breath of the Spirit. It's the oxygen of the Spirit man. It's the key ingredient to our spiritual life. We have to live and engage in faith. Faith is vital. It's not an optional extra. The law of much mention in the Bible is one of the biblical uh, foundations of translation. And so there's the law of first mention that uh, Bible scholars will use in homiletics and Bible translation where God mentions something the first time around and has importance. And then there's the law of much mention. The law of much mention in the Bible is like God's highlighter pen. God said it, he said it again, said it again, said it again, he said it again. And that's like God putting a highlighter pen on the scripture saying, this is really important to me. I've told you multiple times, not because I think that you would forget. I've told you multiple times, not because I need to talk a lot and I've got 35,000 words a day that I've got to get, expend and so you're getting them all right now. It's not like God has to talk, but it's God's highlighter pen anytime he repeats something. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 4 says, the righteous shall live by faith. Romans 1 verse 17 says, the righteous shall live by faith. Faith. Galatians 3.11 says, the righteous shall live by faith. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38 says, but my righteous one shall live by 
faith. So we need to live in faith and faith needs to live in us. We can get inspired in our faith journey by the testimonies of other people. We can get uh, inspired by the stories of faith, by great men and women of God that have gone before us. As a young Christian, I was inspired uh, in my faith by a lot of men and women of God around me. Obviously, my mother, who prayed me into the kingdom of God, is an inspiration of faith. I remember God telling me when I got saved that my salvation was a result of my mother's prayers. And he actually told me to go and tell my mother that what she was seeing then was a result of what she'd been praying for for the last five years. And so my mother was a great woman of faith. One of the things that my mother did, didn't tell me until years after I was saved, she said that she would purposely never be going through a hard time when I got home. She said, when, when I walked into the house, when I was living there as a young teenager or visiting as an older teenager, anytime I walked into the house, no matter how bad her week was, no matter how terrible things were, she said, I would always have a smile. I would always have joy. I would stir myself up and live in that realm of faith that things were going to be better because I never wanted you to see me when I was down. I wanted you to see the faith that I was believing for big things, even when things were difficult. So my mother was an inspiration of faith. When I got saved and I was with this family, Ray and Barry Bergen, they were like the first people that I, that I experienced faith with. And their, their faith was crazy. To be honest with you, as a young Christian, and even now as an older Christian, slightly weird. Like it was just... Barry just had faith, lived by faith, trusted God with everything. I remember specifically when we left Brisbane, I had a vehicle that I needed to sell and, uh, and I forgot to take it to church where there were like 3,000 people attending with the car sign on and I got home that night and I'm like, I'm going to be the dumbest person in the world that I didn't take my car that I needed to sell to church tonight and we were flying to New Zealand that following Friday. And Barry said, let's pray. And so we prayed and we believed God that I was going to sell the car. And I got a phone call from someone randomly said, I, I heard you had a car for sale. Can we come tomorrow morning and get it? And the next morning, uh, the guy came around to the house and I think it was only worth like $800, gave me $800, walked out. Now I've got $800 in my hand. I'm going to New Zealand with $800 in my hand. About two hours later, Barry came back. He said, listen, I've got to close the lease on this property. And he said, uh, and we're we probably going to need, them, need to give them some money. I don't have any money on me. Do you have any money? And I said, well, I praise God, I just got $800 that, I, that, that I've been blessed with. Take the $800. And so he went off and he came back, a big smile on his face. He said, you're not going to believe it. He said, uh, but the bill was literally $800 on the dot. And so... All my money was gone. He said, but I'll give you some money. I've got some money coming tomorrow and I'll give you the money. I'll give you the money tomorrow. I'm like, ah, oh, cool. Because I'm living in faith and I'm young and it doesn't matter. I've got no responsibilities. It's just me. And so, so, and so, uh, so, so he comes back the next day and he says, uh, I didn't get everything I was believing for, but I, I got 
uh, 200 and I think it's like 210 or $250. And I can give you that cash. And so I'm cool. That's cool. I'm going to New Zealand with $250. Not quite as good as 800, but better than nothing. And so then we all went to the airport. And I'm not talking about me, Ray, and Barry. I'm talking about Ray, Barry, Karen, Natalie, Nigel, Murray, me, Janet, there's a couple of other people. There was like this group of people all going to New Zealand together. We're already booked. Tickets are right. All the luggage is at the airport. And they say, you have excess luggage. That's going to be $250 of excess luggage that no one had the money for, except me. I had $250 cash. And I'm like, this is just like crazy, believing, trusting God that he was going to supply. It was that life of faith that we were just venturing out, having no idea what God was going to, but just trusting on a word from God that everything was going to be okay. And not once in living with them did that not happen. Not once did I not see God open up doors of opportunity. Sometimes it was like, some people say God answers at the 11th hour. Sometimes it wasn't the 11th hour. It was like 11.59 and 45 seconds. But I watched God move by faith. Don McDonnell was the pastor of the church that, that planted. He taught me faith for evangelism and for soul winning and to believe that people would come into the kingdom of God. He was a, a, a true evangelist. I moved from there to Australia, sat under the ministry of Pastor Laurie Jensen of Christian Outreach Center in Townsville. He was a man of faith. And I learned in faith how to listen to the Holy Spirit. I remember he'd be preaching and he'd have words of knowledge. And I'd sit in the front row and I'd ask the Holy Spirit to give me the words of knowledge that he was getting before he would get them. And it was months of just listening and a lot of times hearing nothing, but then God would just start to drop things in the Spirit. And then when he would pray, I would pray with him, believing for miracles to happen. That would happen for salvations. He would do a salvation altar call. I'd ask God to give me a number of how many people would get saved. God would drop a number. He'd say, I see that hand, I see that hand, and I would count the number out. If God gave me five, I'd count to five. If he got to six or seven, those people weren't really saved. No, it's not. <laughs> but that's how I learned the journey of, of, of faith was by reaching Pastor David Cartledge, who was the leader of the Bible college I went to, uh, was a great man of faith. He believed for crazy things. He, he resigned his church and then took on this multi-million dollar property in uh, they call it the miracle of Chesterfield in Sydney where he believed God and overextended faith and everybody thought he was crazy. They secured the building. It was an act of faith. They got it. You know, they had to press through and believe God, God answering, you know, multiple times, miracle money coming in. Well, today that's a campus and a university in Australia for Christian education. They're able to use that as a catalyst multiple levels of faith. The church that David built became a foundation to fund other churches around the nation, men and women of faith. I'll never forget Mari Cartledge, his wife being in, we're in Bible college and we're learning faith. And there was this big debate uh, back then because a lot of the, the, the hyperfaith movement, the name it and claim it, Movement was pretty big, the hyper faith. And in Bible college, because we're all Bible college students, we know better than everybody else. Uh, we'd had they'd have debates over faith versus hyper faith. 
And I used to stir the Bible college students up. Not that I believe this, uh, but I always got a good debate. I said to them, I don't believe in hyperfaith because I believe that hyperfaith is just for negative people. I believe in mega faith. I believe, I believe in a faith beyond the hyperfaith. They say name it and claim it. Nah. I just say you desire it and you can acquire it. I don't even need to name it. I just need to think about it. It's going to come my, and that would, and that all manifest. But I remember we'd have all these debates about faith and stuff like that. But I remember Pastor Mari Cartledge teaching us on faith. And uh, she must have heard some of these debates. And I'll never forget her standing there in the Bible college classroom. And she said, you young men and young women in your 20s think you know about faith. And then she pulled her glasses down on her nose. And she peered over her glasses like this with spooky spirit eyes, looking us into our souls. And she said, you do not know what it is to live by faith until you've raised teenagers. Anybody in the house say amen? (laughs) So God uses people in our life to inspire us in the life of faith. And God has done this through the story of Abraham. Romans 4 verse 17 to 25, as it is written, I have made you the father of many nations in the presence of the God in whom he believed. He gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. In hope he believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations. As he has been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. No unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised he would do. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. Faith lives in a go. We look at Abraham's life and we see multiple times where God speaks to him and Abraham steps out in faith. I want to tell you where faith lives. Faith lives in a go. Abraham was 75 years old when God spoke to him for the first time and God told him to go. Genesis 12 verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Faith lives in a go. There is an action. There is a step. Faith is not uh, passive. It is a commitment to stretch beyond. God says to him, I want you to leave everything you know. I want you to go and you're not going to get the show unless you do the go. There's got to be an action from, I'm going to show you. I'm not showing it all to you now. You're not seeing everything that's out there right now. I'm not showing you the picture right now. But I'm asking you to go, step out in faith, and as you go, you will get the show. And Abraham steps out. No GPS, no Apple Maps, no destination plugged into Waze, no maps, not even a a physical map. 
How many people grew up where your parents had physical maps in the vehicle and drove? Anybody? Did, what about those books? Anybody grow up with a book, the map book? I remember my parents driving around in Melbourne as a child and they had the map book and they'd be on page 25. You would think the next direction would be on page 26. Oh no, the map people were much smarter than that. The next page like 98, upside down, the other way. Remember that? And so, but he doesn't even get that. He doesn't even get the confusing map book. God just tells him to go out and I'm going to show you along the way. You know how scary that is? That drive of faith? One of the first times uh, I, I visited Auckland, New Zealand, uh, when I was planning the church there, and I went with my pastor, and we were at Auckland International Airport, and we had to go and drive to, we are staying in a hotel, and I didn't know Auckland at all. I'd spent no time in Auckland. And uh, so we get in the car, and we come out of the, uh, the airport. I'm, I'm driving. He's in the passenger seat. I said, okay, where's the, where, which directions are we taking? And he said... Uh, you just trust God and I'll tell you when you're wrong. And so I have no idea. And I'm, I'm driving and I, I turn right and I drive down a little bit and he'd say, uh, wrong way, turn back. I have to do a U-turn and go back. The whole journey, he didn't stop. He didn't relent once on no directions. I got from the airport to the hotel pretty much long way, right way, wrong way, no, very wrong way, totally wrong way. Why are you going this way? One way road. It was just, uh, but it was trusting, you know, and, and I, so I have a lot of empathy with, with uh, Abram here heading out, not really knowing, and God giving the detail as he goes. And we're gonna live in faith, it requires action. It requires a step. It requires movement. James said, uh, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Faith needs to be accompanied by action. There needs to be a, a doing. There needs to be a corresponding action from us. Faith is the lifestyle of trust in God. And it's a journey that continues to grow. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, from faith, for faith, or to faith. Each step creates momentum to the next biggest step. So you take uh, my chef's clothes in New Zealand. I'm a young Christian. I'm trusting God. And so God opens the door and I see him give me $100 towards chef. That was, that was the first faith step for me, believing God to provide income for me to be able to do what God's called me to do. Well, then a few years later, I'm in uh, Australia and I'm going to Bible college. And while I'm uh, in Bible college, paying the Bible college fee, I feel God tell me to go and work for the church to go and offer myself to work for the church to Pastor Laurie. And so I went to his office and I said, Pastor Laurie, I just felt today in prayer that God had told me to work for the church. And we have, I know we have a need in kids ministry. I know we have a need in youth. I'm happy to do whatever you want me to do. And I said, but I, I'm here to tell you, I'm here to, I'm here to work for the church. He said, well, we don't have any money. We can't pay you. We don't have any money in our budget. And I said, well, God didn't tell me he was going to pay me. God just told me that I was going to work for the church. And so, you know, uh, let him give me the conduit on how the money's going to come in. I've just got to step out in faith. 
And so it's what I did. I stepped out in faith. And then God was able to supply my, my need as I continued to go through in those two years. God kept, and, and there were small doors and miracle doors. And then in the second year of Bible college, this church that I was in in Whangarei invited me to go back. They heard I was in Bible college and they invited me to go back and do a crusade. And it wasn't a big church. I think at that point, they're still only running 60 or 70 people. But there's an opportunity. Young Bible college student get a chance to preach, have a crusade, be an evangelist. You know, I'm Reinhardt, Johnny Bonke, Morgan, you know. And so, so I, I'm like, yeah, I'm coming. And so I paid my airfare to go over and, uh, and trusting God. But at that point of going over, I had no money for my next uh, uh, semester of tuition. I have no money. But I feel God tell me to go and do this crusade. So I go over and they don't receive any offerings. They don't do anything. I speak to them for five days. I paid my own way over there and uh, no money's coming in. And at the end of the crusade, the, the, the pastor came up and said, God uh, wants to bless you with his offering. And he handed me, I, I think it was a, a $10 note. Up there with the smallest offerings I've ever received in my life. Well, $10 was not going to pay my Bible college fee. And so I'm like, well, thank you, praise God. Maybe I'm going to tithe it, get a hundred, tithe the hundred, get a thousand, tithe, you know. And so, and somebody else came up and they said, God spoke to us in the service and told you to give you some money. And uh, they handed me $10. And so now I got $20 in my pocket, not quite the couple of thousand dollars I needed for Bible college, but I'm closer than I was at the beginning of the night. And then this lady came up. She was a single mom. She was very broke. And I, I knew her. I knew her story. And she handed me an envelope and uh, I said, thank you very much. I put the envelope in my pocket. Now, in my mind, I've got $30. This is going to be great. I'm $30 closer to my Bible college fee, which was a couple of thousand dollars. And, uh, and I went home and I threw my coat on the, uh, on the bed and trying to work out how God was going to do this. And then I felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you never even opened that envelope. Why didn't you open the envelope? And so I go and open the envelope and in there is the exact, I think it was like $2,000 that I needed to pay for my Bible college fees was in the envelope. God's conduit of faith. And so that came down to then planning a Bible, a, a, a church and believing for my own salary today as lead pastor. I'm believing for the salary of all our pastoral staff. I'm believing for salary for extra people coming on our team. I got to believe for the salary for all of our high school teachers and our elementary teachers. There's an element of faith that God takes you on the journey that starts you out believing for ten, $100 to get a chef's uniform for you. And then he takes you on the journey from faith to faith so you don't start believing for great things you might start believing for small things but God will open up the doors and give you a foundation that you can live in on this journey of faith Abraham your first step Abraham your first step is important because it's contingent to all the families of the earth being blessed so Abraham I have this big vision for you but that big vision starts with a small step. Faith lives also in a go, but faith lives in a look. Abram was 80 years old when God spoke to him a second time. And God said to him, look. Chapter 13, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had separated from him, lift up your eyes and 
Look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that no one, so that uh, if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron, and there he built an altar for the Lord. So God gives him in his 70s this promise of generations coming out of him, and at that point he has no children. So now he is 80 years old and God speaks to him again and said, generation, I want you to look. I, I, I want you to observe. I want you to get bigness in your spirit. That's what faith is. Faith lives in a look. It is a bold expectation that God is able to do what God said he would do. It's absolute confidence that if God said it, I believe it. If God said it, I'm going to commit to trusting him. I believe that God hasn't called me to mock me. God didn't give me a vision because he's bored in heaven and has nothing to do. And so he thought he'd give me a vision and then entertain himself by me not being able to achieve the vision. That's not how God rolls. If God told you it's going to happen, you've got to live in faith, believing that it's going to happen. Some of you need to stir up the dreams God gave you years ago to believe. And faith lives in a look. It lives in a expectation that no matter how hard it seems that God is going to do the miracles. In this passage of Scripture that we're reading, Abram's life was expanding. He was wealthy, had plenty of cash, plenty of herds and goats and animals. And his nephew Lot, who was working with him, was also expanding. And both of their families, or both their kingdoms, if you like, were getting so big that they couldn't really dwell in the same area. God's blessing was on them in a super significant way. So God goes to Lot and says to Lot, look, stand on the mountain, look to the left and look to the right. He said, whatever direction you go, you just go. I give you, I give you the first choice. He said, if you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. We'll separate here. But he's trusting God. So he says to Lot, you make the choice. And so Lot comes out and he looks at the two lots that are going to be allotted to him. He looks at the lot on the left. And when he looks at the lot on the left, the lot on the left has a lot. The Bible talks about it being like the valleys and the rivers of Jordan. It's like the Garden of Eden. It's irrigated. It looks fantastic. There's greenery. Uh, there's springs. There's a lot of life. And so the lot on the left has a lot. And as Lot looks at the lot on the left with the lot, Lot thinks to himself, if I take the lot with the lot, I won't have a lot to do. I'll be able to spend a lot of time doing a lot of things that I want to do and won't have to spend a lot of time working on the lot. He looks at the lot on the right that doesn't have a lot. There's desert, there's wilderness. It doesn't look fantastic. He's like, man, if I take that lot on the right, if that lot's allotted to me, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on that lot. And I won't have a lot of time to do all the things. And that's a lot of things I want to do that fills my life. And so Lot said, I'm going to take the lot on the left with the lot so I can spend some time doing a lot of the things that I want to do and allot that lot to me. And so that lot on the left that's in the Hebrew. 
For some of you like, I don't remember reading that like that. But that's sort of how it happened. And so Lot takes the lot on the left and he pitches his tent, the Bible says, as far as Sodom. And so there's like a, there's like a flesh nature thing. Abram says, Abram says, I'm going to take the lot on the left. Why? Because I'm trusting God. And then as he takes this barren land, God says, look to the north, the south, the east and the west. I, I, I'm going I'm to bless you. There's going to be an abundance. I don't care how difficult it looks right now. I don't care how challenging it looks right now. But I want you to look. Not only am I going to bless you financially, not only am I going to bless you materially, not only am I going to bless you spiritually, but I'm going to bless you in your lineage, in you and in your family. All the earth is going to be blessed. I am still committed to do in you what I said I was going to do, even though you look at this area right now and it doesn't look promising at all. Faith has big dreams. Faith has big expectations. Faith sees the big picture. Faith is where you focus your life. When you have faith, you can believe for the impossible and you can take the challenging way. You won't always just take the easy way. When I was a young Christian, I'm working uh, in a restaurant, I'm chefing, and uh, I felt God calling me to ministry. And I didn't know what that looked like. I didn't know where ministry would be. I didn't know what God would take me. But I believe that God was calling me to ministry. I didn't necessarily have a thus say at the Lord, but I just had the feeling, a gut feeling, that God was going to bring me in to ministry, and so I needed to go to Bible college. I needed to go to Australia and go to 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 be, not Bible college to go to be plugged into a church over there. And uh, and so I went to my boss, Paul Postema, who ran the restaurant. Now I was I was a very successful chef. I was a very successful uh, uh, person. His I was making him a lot of money. I ran his restaurant. I ran a catering company for him, and I run a business uh, uh, like a business. Um, I don't have to describe it, like leaders thing. Hundreds of people would go in there and eat every day. And so I was making him a lot of money. And, and I told him, man, I, I, I think I've got to resign. I feel God's calling me to be in ministry. He wasn't a Christian. And so he looked at me like, you're crazy. Are you making a lot of money right now? Are you going to go and be in ministry? You're crazy. And he said to me, he said, I, I don't want you to do that. I want you to stay working for me. He said, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to open up a ski chalet in Queenstown in New Zealand. It's going to have about 50 people staying there. I want you to run the chalet. And he said, if you'll go down there and you'll run the chalet, run the accommodation, do all the cooking, you know, make that work. He said, if you'll work for me for five years, I'll gift the chalet to you. He said, I'll set you up for life. I'll set you up financially for life if you'll just do what I'm asking you to do, I'll set you up. And it was, it was uh, inviting. It was incredibly lucrative. Uh, he was looking after me, running these restaurants for him. This was a great setup. I knew he was a man of his word. And so I want to take the step into ministry. And here he is saying, hey, here's the easy way. This is, this is the good way. You can still do ministry, but be earning, earning, earning great, great money. Would you want to do this? And I, and I turned around. I said, God hasn't called me to do that. God has called me to ministry and he said you are crazy I'm going to set you up I said yeah but that's not what God's told me to do why because faith is in a look there's a there's an expectation that God is going to do what God said he would do and if God told you to do it it's always going to be big better than anything that you could do on your own he was not happy he was very angry at that point 
In fact, I think his last words to me were, in five years' time, when you find out God's not real, come back and I'll have a job for you. And I think I said to him, in five years' time, when you get saved and give your heart to the Lord, make sure you tithe to my ministry. (laughs) That was how that conversation ended. Faith is an expectation. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look at the fields because they are white unto harvest. How we see life has a big impact on how we do life. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Faith is a spiritual dimension that reaches into the invisible and pulls out of the invisible into reality. Faith is spurred by vision. Faith is stirred by dreams. Faith is stirred by expectation. You're reaching into something that you don't have and you believe that God's going to give it to you and you reach it out and you pray it into being. You pray it into manifesting. You pray it into coming to pass. I come into this auditorium on a regular basis and I see this auditorium being filled top and bottom every week, multiple times a, a, a weekend with thousands of people coming into the house house of God. Are we there yet? Yes, in the spirit we're there. We may not be there in the natural yet, but yes, we're there in the spirit. It's going to happen. Why? Because God said it and we're going to lean into it and we're going to believe for it and we're going to pray for it and we're going to trust God for it and we're believing for God to do something in this generation. Some of you are in your 80s, 90s. You've been praying a long time. God, do something. Do something in this community. Do something in the city. Your prayers matter. Your faith matters. And God may fill this building regardless of me. It may be simply because of your prayer, because you laid hold of God and you prayed and you believed and God answered your prayer. But we've got to believe for God to do the impossible. Faith is how we look at life. Some people see the glass half empty. Some people see the glass half full, but faith sees the glass overflowing. It sees an abundance. It doesn't see, it may see half the, the water in the, but it's going to be overflowing. It, see, it sees something that's coming out of what's already there. Faith is an expectation and trust God to do what God would say. I have time for one more today. Faith lives in a count. Abram is 80 five years of age when God speaks to him the third time and says count behold the word of the Lord came to him saying this man shall not be your heir your very own son shall be your heir and he brought him outside and said look toward the heaven and number count the stars if you're able to count them Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. As Abram went out and counted, it was counted to him. This is how God operates. You move and then he moves. And God often moves in correspondence to how we're moving. So you move in faith, God will move in bringing his promise towards you. He's counting the stars and God counted that to him as righteousness. Now, there's been a decade, 10 years, 
that have now passed and nothing's happened. The original promise hasn't happened. And now Abram's looking at his life. He's now 10 years older. The promise seems less possible than it did 10 years ago, even though that was a miracle. He's looking at his life right now. And he says, I have Eliezer from Damascus, who is a servant. He is, he, he works on our team. He's like a butler on our team. And, and if I die, he's going to get everything. He, he is where, probably where it's going to work out of. And God's like, no, it's not going to be through him. Don't, don't put your expectation of what you can see in the natural. Uh, uh, Abram, you've got to get out and look in faith. He doesn't look at people. He doesn't look at servants. He doesn't look at Sarah. He doesn't look at anybody. Don't, don't look in the natural. I need you to step out with the eye of faith, and I need you to count. I need you to name. I need you to declare. I need you to stand in faith and believe that I'm going to do all of that. If you can count that, that's what you're going to get. But we know that God says, look at the galaxies, and there were galaxies out there that he couldn't even see. I'm here to tell you that's the bigness of God. That's the bigness and the greatness of God. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11 says, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have the full assurance of hope until the end. Count means that I'm going to be patient. Count means that it hasn't happened yet, but I'm going to be patient. The Bible says in verse 12 of chapter 6 of Hebrews, So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience through faith and patience that's like the super glue that's like, like like the two corresponding compounds faith and patience mixed together become this binding agent that's like super glue faith and patience we have faith we trust god and we have patience that we're not going to quit we're going to reap in due season if we don't pass out that we're going to hold on to, to God and believe that God will do what God said he was going to do. The man can come up. We want to pray for you today. Anna and I prayed for 10 years, maybe even a little longer than that, but, but definitely 10 years about pastoring a church. We felt God dropping our spirit that we were going to pastor a church together. She was an executive pastor in Chicago, and I was traveling and uh, training up leaders in churches all around America, around the world, Australia, New Zealand, and in and, and Europe, and, and so God was in Canada, and I was on multiple boards helping churches grow. And, 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 but, but our ministry since the day we got married was separate. She was doing her thing, I was doing my thing. They weren't really, but we felt like God was going to call us to do something together. We didn't know what that looked like. And over that 10-year period, multiple opportunities came up. Some of them you would have to get in the flesh and squeeze it into. I remember going to a small church in rural uh, Victoria in Australia and being interviewed by their board or just meeting their board. And, um, and I would really have to, like I was like doing origami to try to work out how we could do that. that, that and there's nothing about anything there was in any way attractive or would fit my personality. But I'm like, God, if you open the door here, maybe this is you. And then God thankfully closed the door. Anna said he closed the door in the first statement that I made. Um, 
which I think may have been a bit too big for the room. But anyway, and so, but that, that those little things happen. But we were, is this you, God? Is this you, God? Is this you, God? Is this you, God? And then in prayer, in prayer, June of 2020, didn't have a lot to do. June of 2020. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There wasn't a lot to do. Anybody, anybody through 2020 get like ready for bed at 6.30 at night and felt like you were turning into your parents? That happened to us on multiple occasions. I'm really tired. I don't want to go to bed. And I look at the, it's 6.30. It's embarrassing. And so, but it's June of 2020 and I was praying and then I felt God tell me to do something that I hadn't done and I hadn't considered doing. And I, I made a phone call, which became the, the step, the first step into us being here. It was a faith step. I felt like God was in it. We prayed over it. And then it seemed like the door closed. It seemed like it wasn't going wasn't gonna to be a possibility. And so we just, well, I stepped out in faith. I did what God told me to do. And that's my responsibility. I, I'm not going to make this work. I'm not going to force this to happen. And so we're back in praying and praying. And, and, and then in May of 2021, I, I get a phone call uh, from Dr. Roden saying, hey, would you come? Would you come and check out the church? Would you come and talk to us? And, and then God opened a door and then one door led to another. And then we got here and felt like this was, you know, and that we were in agreement. And, and so we became, in August 15 of 2021, we were voted in as, as lead pastors of Word of Life Church. And God had answered a prayer that we'd been praying for 10 years. But here's the cool thing. As we did that, Dr. Roden prayed over me and he said, there's a man sent from God whose name was John. And then God reminded me of a prophecy that had come over my life in 1987 that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And the prophecy specifically said, it's not now. It's for later on. It's for an appointed time. And I felt like God told me on that prayer, this is the appointed time. This is the moment that that prophecy is coming. That was done in 1987. Decades ago, it's coming to pass today. Why am I telling you this? Because you've got to trust God. You've got to believe God. Some of you have been believing for God to do miracles for a long time, and you haven't seen the miracle. You've been believing for breakthrough for a long time, and you haven't seen the breakthrough. You've been believing for children to get saved, and you haven't seen their salvation. You've been believing for a spouse. You've been believing for a parent. You've been believing for a breakthrough in your own world of people getting saved, and you haven't seen it, but God gave you a word and I'm here to tell you today, stir up that gift of faith that's within you. Stir up the faith that's inside of you. Pray again, believe again, stand again, declare again, believe God again. People, God has spoken to you about your business, that things that God wants to do. He put a dream in your heart and you haven't seen it. He put ministry in your spirit and you haven't seen it. He put a miracle in your heart and you haven't seen it. But I'm here today to tell you that this is a room full of faith and God will do what God said He is going to do if you don't quit, if you don't stop. And we're going to believe God with all of our heart. If you believe that today, stand to your feet. Give Him a great praise offering.